Hey, this is Scott Jackson, and you're listening to the Monarchist Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Mike. And you're listening to the Monarchist Podcast. Boy, we've been getting a lot of questions about Old Dominion football lately, and it seems like it just ended, but we know that football season never ends, and we're lucky enough to have the head man himself, Coach Ricky Ronnie. Coach, welcome back to the world's best and only ODU podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. We appreciate you joining us. In this day and age of college football, roster management has turned into a year-round job. Can you walk us through the process of preparing your recruiting board and how you kind of break down the ratio of high school prospects versus JUCOs or transfers? Yeah. I mean, it's obviously, it's not an exact science anymore. Um, It's kind of ever uh, changing, you know, even throughout the year, you know, I mean, I try to anticipate uh, there being maybe just based on previous data that we have of how much uh, turnover we're going to have and those sort of things. So I can kind of, Uh, begin to um, anticipate, you know, all right, based on this many guys graduating and then we'll have, you know, this many, this much turnover from, uh, you know, the portal or, or injuries or, uh, you know, heaven forbid discipline issues or something like that. And then I just try to get the number from there. So it, it, it really varies on what we have in the, on on the team and on the roster currently in terms of where and what we're going to need from a high school versus junior college slash transfer portal um, thing, you know what I mean? So, you know, there might be some years where, you know, we're looking for, you know, I would say, let let me go back. I would say as a team, we're always going to be around 65% high school and probably 35% portal slash junior college. Um, You know, that might go slightly up or down, you know, maybe go to 55, 45, or maybe go 75, 25, whatever, but 65, 35 is about right. Um, but as the, each position, it, it, it really does vary, you know I mean? And, and the reality of it is if we happen to have a bunch of uh, good high school players that we're able to retain, then we're going to see a situation where it's going to be, we're going to have more high school players in that group all the time, you know? So it's, it kind of just, it really does vary a lot on, on what we have on the roster at that time. All right, coach. So obviously things evolve over time. Have your recruiting strategies changed since you've arrived at Old Dominion? And are there certain regions where you're putting more or less focus? I mean, I think you're always trying to evolve. I mean, recently we've done well in Texas, which really wasn't part of what we planned, Um, but we've done a nice job there. But I wouldn't say that we've necessarily um, allocated a bunch of resources there. We've had some connections with some people and we've been able to get on kids late in the process that have been really good players for us. And, and uh, that's really happened for the last two years in a row and, and, and feel pretty good about that. So I wouldn't say that that's necessarily necessarily changed. You know, we've also been down there doing some junior college recruiting, which is which has always been part of it. You know, I know I know a lot of fans and a lot of people talk about like, well, you know, they haven't embraced the transfer portal and all that sort of stuff. And I mean, we're trying to get the best players we can. Right. So it's not like I, I, I'm like, no, we're not taking a portal guy. And in fact, I think we've gotten some really good players out of the portal. If you look at our history, um, we haven't maybe got a ton, but the ones we've got have been pretty impactful. Um, but where we've been able to have a little bit more success and a little bit more um, 
consistent success is from junior college. And so that's that's an area where we feel like we've been able to evaluate well and, and, and get some good players. And and to us, what's the difference if a kid came from the transfer portal or came from junior college, right? He's, he's a little bit older, a little bit more mature, whatever. He's a transfer. Um, just because a kid transfers from another four-year school, that doesn't make him a better player by any stretch of the imagination. Um, so I, that's something where we've, you know, um, been able to have some success is, is those junior colleges and being in Texas recruiting those guys has allowed us to then um, take some of these late Texas high school kids that have that have done a nice job for us. All right. So last year's arrival of Coach Decker's offense brought in a fantastic rushing attack. A big part of the rushing attack is the center. Who should ODU fans expect to see competing for that role this spring? Yeah, there's going to be a few of them. Obviously, Zach Barlev is has come in as a transfer, um, and we're expecting him to be to have a real shot there. Um, you know, Flores will continue to get to get a look there. Um, you know, we've got Spencer Dow as as a younger kid who's going to get a look there. You know, Woodsma, his versatility. You know, he'll get a look there. He'll get a look, um, even get a look at tackle, which is a weird combination to be able to get a look at both. Um, you know, so we've got, that is a, obviously a, a position that we've got to get filled, not only because, uh, you know, obviously you touch the ball in every single play, but you also make a lot of calls and there's a lot of responsibility in that. And, and a lot of our run game, um, we need to be able to, you know, control the, to the center of the line of scrimmage in, in order to do that. So it's, uh, it's definitely something that uh, we know is going to be a big factor, uh, but we feel like we've got some guys that can, that can step up and, and do that job. All right, Coach. So since you arrived on campus, you've preached the importance of competition for playing time. No one seems to be promised anything. Heading into the spring, are there any position groups you expect to close off for competition? Um, not really. I mean, I, I think the guys are going to continue to evolve and, and do those sort of things. Obviously, there's some positions where, you know, guys – um, have some legs up and, and those sort of things. Um, you know, I mean, I know everyone wants to talk about the quarterback position and that sort of thing. And, and you know, Grant certainly um, was able to the last half of the season kind of establish himself as the starter. But, I mean, I'm the, you know, if somebody else is, you know, absolutely dominating, then you got to give them a look, right? I mean, um, but Grant, I think the way he closed the season, the way he has approached this offseason um, and those sort of things, I've, I've, I've been extremely impressed with the leadership role he's taken. Um, and, and when you're able to start as many games as he did last year, which is, you know, what he started 11 games last year. Right. So, um, you know, I think that he was able to do that and, and did a, a really nice job for us. And so, you know, was impressed with uh you know, how he finished the season, know that he can continue to play better. I know he knows he can play better. Um, our whole offense can, you know, I mean, we need to get more out of the passing game. We all know that. Um, but that's a, like I try to talk about a bunch, you know, that's 11 guys. I mean, we're talking the running back in protection. We're talking um, the offensive line in protection, but we're also talking about the running back in the offensive line and selling the play action pass. Uh, we're talking, we have to get the tight ends more involved. We all know that. And then, and I think we can, I've been extremely excited with, with how our tight ends have approached this off season, particularly Jalen Butler. Um, and then, you know, obviously our wide receivers who, 
you know, I feel really good about him. I think another year in this system and another year where they're able to make some some choices and have be on the same page of the quarterback, I think is only going to help us out. All right. So uh, thank you for answering that. Uh, we were trying to dance around the subject of the quarterback position because when we opened that question up to fans, that was the one thing we kept getting hit up with the most. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, everyone wants to see that because we haven't had that a whole lot, right? But, I mean, um, listen, I, I do think that competition is is important, right? But I also understand that we need a guy who's going to be able to go out there and, and, and feel like it's his job and have a leadership role and all those sort of things. I also know that the other quarterback should have a leadership role as well, you know, and, and, and none of them are going to be successful without feeling like, you know, they're a leader on this team and, and they all work at such a level, you know, in the classroom uh, where they're all very, very good students um, in the weight room where they do an excellent job in the conditioning level where they all running to, to win and doing those sort of things. Um, and even in, you know, in the film room, you know, so, you know, those guys are extremely hard workers and, and uh, in my mind, they're all going to be leaders all the time. They need to be ready to go. And I think that every single football season that comes up, right? You have the guy who's the unquestioned starter and everyone's excited and this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And all of a sudden, you know, for whatever reason, that guy gets nicked up for a few games. And the next thing you know, the season's over because the, the team never empowered the backups or doesn't have a good enough backup. You know, I don't think we're in that position. I, I actually feel better about this quarterback room than I than I ever have in my uh, entire tenure here. All right. Thank you. Uh, this is another popular question we got from fans. They want to know about the de- defensive alignment, notably the three-man defensive front. Will we see that change at all next season, or can we expect more of the same? You know, I was pleased with how the three-man front looked last year. I think it gives us uh, more versatility. On, on who and what we can get, um, where we can play guys, how we can adjust to motions, how we can adjust to certain formations and things like that. I think it um, is able to give offenses um, more variety and looks, although fans may not always be able to feel that way, but it, it certainly does, um, while making it a little bit more of a plug-and-play system than you are when you're in four down and you really have to have some different adjustments. Um so, you know, I, I would expect us to continue to, to be in that formation. Obviously, you know, as we stay in it, we'll continue to expand and get a little bit more versatile with it. Um, but I think that, you know, we did some good things on defense, um, particularly on third down where we were very good. We were also very good in the red zone um, where we've got to improve um, just our overall efficiency on first and second down. Um, has got to improve a little bit. And then obviously we've got to get um, after the quarterback a little bit more. And, and, and I don't, I think that there's some things that um, can do. We affected the quarterback a lot. If you look at the actual percentages on, on times affecting the quarterback, um, but we didn't sack the quarterback enough um, and, and get him behind the sticks and that sort of thing. So that's, that's an area where, um, we all need. We all know we have to do a better job. And again, that's all eleven. Just like in the offensive pass game, where it's all eleven, right? If, I mean, if I'm the if I'm the secondary, you know, I've got to make sure I get them to their second read um, before you know second and third read, so I can let guys get home. 
You know what I mean? I've got to make sure that I'm, I'm disguising the coverage well or, or I'm sitting at the right depth that I'm supposed to have. I'm matching the right receivers and all those sort of things. Obviously, if I'm at the defensive line, you know, I've got to win. You know, I've got to, I've got to be able to take an edge and I've got to win. And um, so if the quarterback does get to his third or fourth read, I'm getting there. and I'm getting home and, and, I'm, and I'm stopping that drive before it starts. Okay, Coach. Recruiting. It's always popular. It's popular with the fans, popular on our website. It's driven a lot of traffic. It's popular because it brings hope. It brings new opportunity for a program, but it often overlooks the underclassmen who continue to develop in the weight room and on the practice field. Can you name a few guys that haven't seen much playing time yet that you expect to have a bigger impact in 2024? You know, I, I, I answer all your guys' questions. I'm going to defer on this one. Um, and, and I don't mean that to be um, negative or anything like that. I just want to see a little bit more, right? I mean, I, I need to see a little bit more football. Have we had some guys who've had a good off season so far? Yeah, but like, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I want to see some guys actually perform, you know, once we get to uh, spring practice here in March and, and those sort of things. And then, you know, reality is, man, I, I, I don't, there's, there's no reason to, hype guys up and, and, and put more pressure on them that they need to have. There's no reason to do any of those sort of things. That stuff will happen when they get to it. I, I, I think I did that last year with a few players. People kept asking me, hey, who's going to be the person who's going to come out and who's going to do this? And, uh, you know, I think it affected a, a couple of the guys in a, in a, in a really negative way. I, I think they put ended up putting too much pressure on themselves and that sort of thing. And, um, and then they didn't perform up to what I thought they were going to be based on what I saw in preseason and in spring practice and things like that. So um, I do think we have some, I've been excited about a few guys already. Um, we had a, a team run today and there were really four underclassmen that really jumped out and, and, and have jumped out every time I've been out there with them. Coach Snodgrass and his and his crew have done an unbelievable job of getting them ready. Uh, we will have as coaches more interaction with them starting next week. Uh, we have what we call mini camps and things where we get to be with the guys a lot more and get some more competition and, and do some things like that. So excited about that. So I would say there should be hope. I feel good about a few guys. Really, really good, in fact. Um, but I, I don't want to put that kind of pressure on them right now. That's a fair answer. I appreciate your honesty. Yeah, and I, I will note for myself, I, I wrote that question, and I was just trying to show fans that it's not all about the portal. We can improve with just development from year to year. So I'll, I'll talk about that because uh, I think everybody was horrified when we had to replace all five starters in the defensive secondary um, last year, right? And everyone was nervous and everyone was this and that. And – the reality of it is four of those five guys who started for us the entire year were guys who were already in our program and, 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 and playing well, you know what I mean? And so, um, you know, we, I think we had one starter back last year and, and, you know, and this year we have none, but guess what? We were able to replace them and, and able to play well. And we had uh, internal development and, and we had, we've sprinkled in a portal guy or a JC guy here and there and, and, and I know we're going to do the same thing. I mean, I think that our staff does a good job um, all the way from the, the strength coaches and, um, you know, to the position coaches and those sort of things. And 
Um, we do a good job of developing kids and we're going to continue to do that. The reality of it is some of those developments are going to be year long processes because we only get them for that long. The other, other ones are going to be five year processes because we get to keep them for that long. However long a kid is here, we're going to try to get him better each and every year and each and every phase of his, of his career while he's here. Um, the way the, the system is made up, we may not get to see those kids for five years. I mean, I, let's just call a spade a spade. I mean, it, it, and, and everyone wants to bemoan the process and all those sort of things. It, it's the process. I mean, it is what it is. So at this point, I'm not, I'm not real interested in, in, um, saying, okay, well, we have to get this or we have to get that. You know, I, I want to develop who we have on our roster, make sure that they're the best players that we can possibly be so that we can be as deep as possible so we can play great special teams so that we can be, you know, um, so we can run and hit on defense so we can be explosive and and, and, and ball secure on offense. And, and at that point, you know, I'll feel good about it. All right. So you've talked to us about how an offense makes a big leap in the second year. What were your biggest challenges with this offense last season? And where should fans look first to note that big improvement in year two? Well, I mean, I, I, you know, I think we obviously um, we gave up too many sacks. And, and again, I, I, I'm probably like a broken record at this point, but it, it is it was not just the offensive line. It was everybody. Um, receivers not getting open on time, quarterback not getting the rear of the ball on time, offensive line not protecting well enough, uh, the running backs not protecting well enough, tight ends, you know, whether they're running a route or protecting and those sort of things. Um, and then, uh, you know, as coaches, there's some things we could have done better, whether it was giving a little bit more help here and there, whether it was, uh, you know, different play calls, whether it was whatever it was. Um, so I think that what we're going to see is just, more trust in the system, more trust in each other, more trust in our own decision-making abilities. And that trust leads to slightly slightly quicker decisions, which leads to, you know, more balls getting thrown on time, you know, and, and all those sort of things. And I think that that is where we're going to start to really see it is, is you know, there's going to be a lot more trust in the system, um, guys understanding their jobs, their roles, and, you know, maybe that decision goes from 3.4 seconds down to 2.7, uh, which doesn't seem like a lot of time, but that's enough time to get a completion. That's enough time to, to, to get a big play. Maybe now the guy is, is, is just getting pushed by the quarterback as opposed to those sort of things, being able to step up when we need to, trusting all the way around. I trust you to do your job so now I can do mine without any fear of anything else. I'm just doing my job knowing that you're going to do yours. Um, so I think that that's where the biggest thing happened that second year is that trust in each other, trust in the system, trust in, in your own preparation. Okay. This episode of the Monarchist Podcast is brought to you by the Pride of ODU Collective. Their mission is to elevate the experience of student athletes through name, image, and likeness while also elevating the fan experience. If you or your business are interested in getting involved, you can reach out to us directly or go over to theprideofodu.com. That is theprideofodu.com. Thank you for listening and go Monarchs. Hey coaches, spring practice kicks off on March 12th. Spring game, April 13th. What excites you the most about spring practice and spring football? No opponent. And I mean that and also like I, I mean that in all serious. I love games and I love all those sort of things. But I love no opponent too because I get to develop and it's about it's about winning that day. It's about winning that moment. It's about winning whether I truly got better as a football player today, not whether I necessarily won 
that rep? Did I win the day? Did I get better that day? Um, and I think that there's, you know, something to be said for that. I was listening to a, a podcast recently um, and Steph Curry was on there and uh, he, it was actually a year old or whatever, year and a half old. And he talked about how, um, even though they'd already won however many championships and that sort of thing, that they literally talked about whether they won that week, right? Because the nine, that was their version of one and up, right? Because the nine months was too long, right? The, the 82 games was too long. The, 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 the million and a half playoff games they have to play to win a championship was too long, right? So they, they talked about, Hey, did we win that week? And if you think about guys who are hall of famers, guys who've been playing for 15 years and all those sort of things, thinking about, Hey, Hey, we won that week, right? Well, for us, we're still even in smaller. We're hey, did we win that day? Did you get better today? You know, did you did you go out on the field concentrating on a very specific thing and did you get better? And and not, well, I don't know, coach, but we lost. No, no. I mean, there's it's about whether you got better and, and improvement and development and, and those sort of things. That's what excites me about spring balls. You can truly concentrate on development and you're still worried about winning, but the winning is much more of an existential thing than it is necessarily looking up on the scoreboard and seeing that. Um, and so I think that there's something to be said for that because developing that self-awareness, developing um, that is ultimately what's going to carry the day, not only for these guys throughout next year, but throughout their whole lives, right? Like that's the type of thing, you know, we don't in our lives, we don't always have a scorecard, right? Like it's hard for me to say whether I'm a better father there's no scorecard saying I'm a better father today than I was six years ago. I think I am because I listen better. I communicate better with my sons and those sort of things. Um, you know, and I think I'm a better father because these guys on this team have made me a better father. Right. And so like, I feel like I've gotten better, but there's nothing telling me that, you know, that self-awareness is a life skill that our guys need. And I think it's developed during these sort of times during spring ball where there is no true scorecard. All right. So you actually answered what I was about to just ask, because obviously in the weight room, you have measurables that you can judge whether how a player is improving over a time period. In practice, when you're heading against yourself, it's kind of hard to judge who is winning the day. So I was going to ask, what are you guys are using to kind of judge that? I mean, we still have some wins and losses, particularly in the uh, the conditioning aspects and, and whether, you know, there there's still wins and losses. I mean, we're still going to put that out there. And there's a little bit of immediate feedback. Hey, I'll judge who won that drill or whatever. And there's five push-ups or down-ups or whatever you want to call them, right? Um, so those still exist. We also grade the tape, right? And you're grading the tape and you're able to say, hey, man, like, you know, you keep, keep screwing this up over and over. Or, hey, look, in practice three, you screwed this up, right? In practice four, you got better. And in practice six, it was perfect, right? And so now it's about building on that throughout the rest of, of, of spring practice and over the summer and, and those sort of things. So I think that that's how you – I mean, everything is still judged, at, you know, and all those sort of things. I don't want you to think that it's just all like, you know, uh, kumbaya and grade yourself. It's not. I mean, we're, you're still getting judged. You're still getting – um, I'm still judging the coaches. I'm, they're still getting feedback on their drills daily from me and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, so it, 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 it's certainly um, something where there is constant feedback going on. But it, it is – there's just no scorecard where the entire world, social media, everybody else knows. I, it's also the other thing I kind of like about, um, about it is 
know, there's no social media. Like, a lot, I know that that seems weird, but like the guys, yes, we'll put some stuff out there just to continue to build fan interest and help the guys out and all that sort of stuff. But there's nothing like, all right, there's no immediate feedback like everyone telling you you suck or you're like, you know what I mean, and all that sort of stuff. Like, I mean, the reality of it is, is I know a lot of people think they understand football, but it's just like I don't understand. Like, I think football is like the stock market, right? Like, everybody thinks they know what they're talking about, and no one does. And if they did, right, like, if, if, if people really understood the stock market, then how come the same people always make the money? How is that possible, right? Like, it, like if, if everybody understood it as much as I said, how does the same people make money all the time? And they keep getting, like, more wealthy and more wealthy and more wealthy. If we all understood it, that would even out, right? Same thing in football. Like, how does Andy Reid continually win games like this? If everybody understood football so well, how does a guy like Andy Reid win? How does Bill Belichick do what he did and win? How does Nick Saban win as much as he did? You know what I mean? Like there, there's levels of understanding, and 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 you have to have an you know a thing about that. And so I think that being able to separate these guys from opinions that um, maybe a little bit less educated is also helpful, and they're able to see growth and those sort of things throughout the process. All right. So we saw some staff changes this offseason. Can you talk to us a little bit about Kyle Pollock, David Weeks, and J.J. Laster and what they bring to the program? Yeah. Uh, you know, really excited about Kyle. Um, you know, he, he's with he's our uh, director of player personnel, you know, director of recruiting, whatever title we give him, you know. Um you know, he comes to us from Ohio where they won a lot of games. Um, he was, he was at Penn state, um, you know, as an undergrad and all those sort of things. He, he is very organized. He's very secure in his opinions. Um, but he's not like overpowering about it. Um, he's able to see ahead on some things. Um, you know, he has a lot of answers to questions before I even ask him, which I absolutely love. And I think that's only going to improve as, as he gets to know me a little bit better. Um, so really excited about what he's bringing to the program right now. Um, Coach Weeks, obviously, uh, he worked with uh, Coach Deck at uh, Fordham. Um, he also was just at uh, Tennessee. So he's been in this system, uh, interviewed him. And I, you know, I kind of, you know, tight end's kind of my baby. Um, you know, and, and, uh, man, I was, I, I, I couldn't have been more impressed with his interview. I thought he did an, an unbelievably excellent job. Um, I've only been more impressed as, as I've got to know him. He's going to be a great recruiter for us, but he's, a, he, he really does know how to develop the tight ends, knows how to utilize them, really understands this offense and, and, and the positives that it has, but also the, the challenges that it presents even to the offense, right? The things that we have to get fixed, um, the things we have to look out for. So, uh, that's been great, you know, and coach Laster, um, really good coach, uh, excited about what he's doing and, and just how he's managing the room, the, the mentality that he's bringing with the guys. I mean, he was, you know, his offensive coordinator actually got left and went to pit, um, as, as the offensive coordinator. So they were very, very successful this year, um, this past year. And, and, uh, he, you know, he was a part of a team that really, really could throw the ball, but also did a great job in the run game. And um, I just like the mentality he has and how much, how hard he's worked throughout his career to get where he is today. And, um, you know, he, he, I'm excited about just the overall attitude and, and uh, um, 
that we're bringing and how, how guys are managing their players and that sort of thing. All right, so quick follow-up. You keep calling them tight ends. I was wondering if we'd ever transition to calling them H-backs since that's more of how we're using them. Uh, no, I mean, they're they're tight ends. I'm going to call them that until the end of time. I mean, um, I mean they were tight ends at, at Penn State when I coached them, and, and we were very rarely in three-point stances and, and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, we're just – they're, they're tight ends. I think that that's what, I mean, if you look at throughout the country now, that's, that's what they are, you know, um, you know, even, you know, there's very few guys like Kittle, you know, um, who can put their hand in the dirt and are a dominating blocker and that sort of thing. I mean, those guys are, uh, I think there's one of them. <laughs> He's the only one on the planet, you know, um, they can also then go run routes and dominate there as well. But, you know, it, it's, it, this is in college football, at least. I think that H back thing you're you're describing is a little bit more of what it's turning into. All right, coach. We've been able to work some fan questions into the stuff we've talked about so far, but there's a few that stick out that kind of Mike and I didn't think about that we're gonna shoot out to you real quick. Um, okay. All right. The first one. Uh, everybody loves a rivalry trophy. Nick Pope Joy wants to know if there's any chance of a football trophy for the ODU JMU game. Yeah, I mean that's just so far outside of my like purview. I mean, I, 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 I so I've played for a couple trophy games, and in all honesty, unless they're like super ingrained, like super super ingrained, like you forget. Like you know, we, I played Michigan State, and, and it, it, when Penn State, Michigan State play, they play for something's called the Land Grant Trophy, and it's it's the ugliest trophy in sports. I mean, like legit, it's 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 horrible. Um, and it was basically created when Penn state went to the big 10 and didn't have a rival and they, and there's all these trophy games. And so they just made something up and it's nonsense. And this is no joke. I mean, we beat and Michigan state got after us our first two years and we finally beat them the third year. And, uh, it was to go to the big 10 championship game. Um, it was, it was in the 12th game of the year and and we got after him pretty good there in the second half and those sort of things. We forgot the trophy. Like, we didn't go get the trophy. We didn't even, like, really remember that it existed. And then, like, they came and got it for us later. And, like, all of a sudden it was, like, in our office and that sort of stuff. But we completely forgot it. Like, because we were so excited about being Big Ten East champions, you know, Ohio State, Ohio State beat Michigan that day. And so we ended up being the champs and all that sort of stuff. So it's like, I just think that like those trophies that like the axe and things like that, that have been there for like hundreds of years, those things are sweet. Right. But they're also sweet because they're super unique and, 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 and those sort of things. So I think that like, you know, Rosedale, uh, you know, what is it? Rosedale's pig and all that sort of stuff. Like those things are really unique and, and, and different and all those sort of things. And um, I just think that it's a game where, listen, we don't need any more motivation. Like we know that it's an important game for us because it's a division game. It's in state. It's all those sort of things. Like we're, we're very aware that, you know, um, that's a, that's a big game as, as all of our conference games are, you know? So I don't know if we necessarily need one now, if they have one and it's sweet, you know what I mean? Like it wants to be some sort of crown or something like that. Like I'm down for that. Like I, I, I get it. Um, but um, that, you know, I, I think it'd be need to be something like that. All right. Jason Crum wants to know if you had to pick one position group, what group would you send over to the bud to help win a big weekend series for the baseball team? I think our safeties have the most guys who played high school baseball at a, at a pretty high level. Um, Mario Easterly, Marcus Knight, some of those guys. 
Um, I mean, I generally would pick the quarterbacks. Um, but I don't, I don't know, you know? Um, so I'm going to have to probably say safeties, you know, I, although, although, although I know who's going to be really upset with me right now is, uh, Ramello Murphy. Um, Ramello was a really good, he was a really good baseball player. Um, in fact, he played in junior college too. So he would, yeah, he would be pretty ticked off of me. I just don't know if any of those other whiteouts can play. Um, so I, I think we'd have to do like a mix and match uh, thing. Um, I don't know how many pitchers we have. I mean, because everyone assumes the quarterbacks, but that's not true. I mean, it's a totally different motion. So um, I don't know how many. I don't know how many pitchers we we'd have. All right. I got stuck with this one because Mike had no interest in asking, but I thought it was kind of funny. I'm curious what your answer would be. Hal, Ray, Hal Razor wants to know if you know karate. Do I know karate? No. No, I don't know karate. Um, growing up, I mean, I kind of, you know, I kind of look like Johnny um, from uh, Cobra Kai, you know, so, uh, but I do not, I do not know karate. No, I never, I, I think I did it a little bit as a kid and, I, and like, I'm talking like when I was like five and six, like I think everybody does, you know, it's more like your parents, like your mom, like, all right, like, I got to get some energy off of this kid and, and they won't let him play um, all the sports yet. You know what I mean? And, and, and I never played soccer. So like my family never put me in soccer. Like I never played it ever. Um, it just wasn't, I guess it just didn't feel like it was big in Colorado, but maybe it was just cause I never played, but um, you know, it was like one of those things I just, yeah. So I think I did it when I was real young, but I do not know it. And, and I'm super inflexible. So I don't think I'd be very good at it either. Now I did box. I boxed in high school, um, which was really, really fun. You know, the movements in boxing, I think are, 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 I think every quarterback should have to box and, and all quarterbacks moms hate when I say that because they don't want their baby getting punched in the face, but, um, it's good for you. Right. I mean, you, you know, I mean, you need it sometimes it toughens you up. You learn that, Hey, I've got to throw, you know, I've got to be willing to take a, a, maybe a glancing blow off the chin to be able to throw the, the, the right cross that I need to hit. You know, I know when to, Hey, maybe, maybe right now is not the time to go in there and, and, and try to get a home run. But the, even more importantly than that, the, the ability to transfer weight and all that sort of stuff is exactly like playing quarterback, the ability to stay balanced and those sort of things, exactly the same, you know, being able to slightly move and, 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 and then transfer your weight and, and, and unlock your hips and let something fly. Um, so, you know, boxing with, I, I love boxing. I love, I love boxing. Boxing's uh, one of my, one of my things I love to watch. Um, and uh, more and more than MMA. And it's not that I don't like MMA. I just don't understand it. Like, I just don't understand all the holds and all those sort of things. So something I don't understand as much, I don't, I don't like it as much. It has nothing to do with how, um, obviously, I think it's a tremendous sport and you're a super incredible athlete if you can do MMA just because to be able to stand on your feet and strike and also grapple uh, is, is pretty impressive. But I just I tend to go more towards uh, boxing. All right, so I have to ask. You said you boxed in high school. Was this Golden Gloves or did your high school actually have a boxing team? My coach, so my coach made me box, my high school coach. So what he sent me to was, he basically sent me to, um, he sent me to a boxing club where other kids were forced to go there by the uh, by the state. 
um, and I was not. Um, so I never did Golden Gloves because um, it was always right around track season and all those sort of stuff. So I just never did both. So I would always I always trained right up to it. I'd always get right up to it. I, I would box all the time. I remember I did a sparring match against the NCAA champion, light heavyweight champion, uh, who went to Air Force. Um, I mean, he beat the hell out of me. It was awesome. There's blood everywhere. I was a bleeder too, like a big time bleeder. So like um, my aunt went and watched me box a guy one time and uh, I won. Um, but I mean, there's blood everywhere. And, uh, my mom or my aunt, right after I was done, she was like, yeah, your mother can never watch you do this. I was like, yeah, I know. She was like, yeah, this is horrifying. Your mom can never come in here and watch this. I was like, I know. So yeah, so I did, I think I had like, I ended up having like six or seven matches and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, blood every time and all those sort of things, but, uh, it was fun. I mean, it was, it, it was great. I would not, um, you know, I never got, I never got knocked down. Um, although I did get, I boxed my middle linebacker cause some of my teammates went too. I boxed my middle linebacker who actually God rest his soul. He's, he passed away in a plane crash, but, um, he, uh, he was a kid who he would fight every chance he got. Like you said something the wrong way. You looked at him the wrong way. You were fighting, right? David Rogers was going to fight you. And, uh, he hit me and he knocked me out. I was still on my feet, but I never went down. Apparently that's what I was told, but I was not in a good spot afterward. It was a bad deal. Um, but, uh, I made it through. Um, and he always used to t talk about how that, that got, that, that made him respect me a lot more, you know, cause after that he was like, yeah. Um, he, cause he was a, he was a tough kid, man. He was a really tough kid. All right. So, in our last discussion in November, you noted a couple of rules you wanted changed. One of them was the whole pregame kicking routine and how it leads to skirmishes. Did you see the Chiefs' interaction with Ravens kicker Justin Tucker? I was at that game. I was at that game. That was that was Tucker's fault. That was Tucker's fault. And, and, and first of all, don't have your helmet off, right? And I know it's the NFL, so it's different. But there's no need for his helmet to be on the ground. That's like that's like a Right. Like that's like a uh, you don't do that. You don't have your helmet on the ground. So that's really what caused it. The guy almost tripped over his helmet that was on the ground. Right. And all those sort of things. I just. Yeah. There's no need. I mean, there's no need to do what we do in terms of the kickers. Like, here's the other thing. OK. In basketball. Right. Or hockey or any other sport. Do you shoot on the other hoop or the other goal before the game? No. Not once. So how come the kickers need to go the other way? That's it's the same like and everyone's like, well, the wind or this or whatever. Well, they do it indoors. So don't give me that. Don't don't tell me the wind. Don't tell me all that sort of stuff. Like the, there's there's it's not it's not real. It's it's make believe. It's just they pretend the quarterbacks don't throw the other way in pregame. Like I, I don't understand. Like, what are we talking about? But for some reason, the punters and kickers like they their whole lives are ruined if they can't kick the other way. Like that's that, that's not a thing. It's not real, especially because most of them then sit there. And let's say you're a punter, right? You've been, you punt, you punt, you punt. And then we all go in at 24 minutes. 
And then let's say the other team gets the ball first. And then let's say your team goes and score. And then the other team has the ball. Your team goes and score again. Now it's an hour and 20 minutes later. And all of a sudden you're punting again. And really you, you needed those kicks beforehand. And there's the long side changes at 55 anyway. So now you're talking two hours. You've been kicking into a net. Like it, it's not, it's nonsense. It's just one of those things that we, like, we just refuse to ch- change. Oh, I can't wait to this one now, coach. Um, Super Bowl, I I know you watched it. It was a great game. Ended in overtime. 49ers had the option to take the ball first or second on offense and clearly didn't work out the way that they wanted. What would you have done? All right, so I feel bad. Uh, So I played, just so everyone's like way, like um, I played against Kyle Shanahan and I are the same age, okay? And we played against each other in high school. He went to Cherry Creek High School. I went to Bear Creek High School. Played against each other have super amount of respect for him and all those sort of things. I would have, I, I, I would have kicked off. I think here's one of the things no one is talking about on the, why the other reason why I would have kicked off. If you know, you get a possession, right? You, you're positive. You get a possession and you know, you get one. the other thing about kicking off is if you stop them, you can have better field position than you were ever going to get off the kickoff. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like if you get an immediate three and out, all of a sudden you're 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 in golden field position. Right. So I know what he was thinking about, about going third. The, the problem is, is the only read Andy Reed, the only way Andy Reed was ever going to give the, up a third possession is if it was like fourth and 12. And then he maybe would have kicked the field goal. But if it was fourth and f- six or less he was probably going to go for it. You know, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? So like, I don't know. I mean, he was probably going to say, Hey, I trust Pat Mahomes to go win this game on this play. Just like, I mean, I don't know if you saw Mahomes came out and said that they were going to go for two. If, if, if the Niners would have scored a touchdown and then kicked the extra point that the chiefs would have gone for two and and tried to win the game right there. So I just don't know if it was ever going to get to a third possession. So that's, and I, I said that at the time, um, you know, if you would, you know, if you could contact the people I watched the game with, they would have said that I said that at the time. I, I definitely, I would have, I would have deferred. Yeah, I agree 100. percent The team that you know has the ball second has all all the data, all the information. You know exactly what you need, how aggressive you need to be. Yeah, I, I, th- I thought the really interesting thing was the end of the first half. I thought that was super interesting by both teams. Um, when the timeout was called by the Chiefs, I thought it was called by I thought it was called by the 49ers. I didn't understand the Chiefs calling the timeout because there was virtually no way that they were going to use all the time on the clock from where they were, right? I think they're at the 12 or 14 yard line or whatever. Like there was almost no chance of them using all that time on the clock. So I didn't necessarily and at the time their best plays were happening when they were no huddling and going fast. You know what I mean, and that sort of stuff. Um, so, and then the and then the fact that the the Niners didn't call it, so they didn't get an opportunity in the in, in to go. You know what I mean? Um, to get another to get points in the first half, which is was also interesting because that's what happened um, in the first time these guys played a Super Bowl. They they did the same thing and they didn't go down and try to score at the end of the first half and then whatever. I'm not once the once it all happened and then and and the Niners didn't call the timeout, 
then I kind of agreed with what was going on after that. I understood kind of, you'd kind of already made your bed and we're going to lie in it at that point. Um, so, it, but the, I thought the first half was just as interesting. I'm a little hung up on the high schools. You said Cherry Creek, Berry Creek? No, I went to Bear okay. Creek. Like Bear Creek. Yeah, yeah. And then he went to Cherry okay. Creek. I was about to say, does everything rhyme with Cherry and Berry in this district? No, 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 no. Um, and I will say this, there actually is a cherry, like, there's a, there, there's actually bodies of water by both those names. So they, they, they do kind of fit. So All right. So I don't know if we've ever asked you this, but what is your favorite football movie? My favorite football movie? I don't know. I mean, we're I close to the same age. I'd imagine Waterboy is in there somewhere. I, I mean, I like Waterboy. Um, probably the program is probably my best, my favorite one. I loved the program. That was that was a good one. I I thought that was a really underrated movie. Um, I mean, I feel obligated to say Brian's song. Um, you know, it's like the first movie that should make you cry after you're 15 years old. Um, is that movie? Um, I was never a huge Rudy guy. I mean, I know I'm supposed to, and everyone's like, whatever. I I just was never a huge Rudy guy. Um, I did not, you know, Varsity Blues. My my wife loves Varsity Blues. I'm kind of like, I mean, come on, like the there's no assistant coaches that can take over. It's just the head coach and everybody else is like, what, what happened to the assistants? They, did they just decide like, no, we're siding with this old man right here. Or, or did they just like, I didn't know that was a whole nother weird thing that I, I didn't understand. And then also why, why was the kid allowed to practice it during practice in the first place? Like I, I never understood that one either. Like, so there's just a time and practice with the backup quarterback. It's just, just design his own stuff. Like, what are we talking about right now? So like, that was a whole nonsensical I, I, I didn't. And also what always ticks me off is the, oh, he got a full scholarship to Brown. No, he didn't. They don't give out scholarships. Like, trust me. I know I had to pay a lot of money. There's no scholarships. Stop saying that. That's nonsense. It's, it's, it's all, it's all need-based education. It's kind of a big deal. So um, that was another thing that always ticked me off about that. Um, so I do not like that movie uh, basically at all. You know, the replacements I thought was a, the replacements is kind of a fun movie. You know what I mean? Um, always thought that was that was a that was a fun movie. Um, you know, uh, yeah. So I mean, I, I I like I like those. I mean, my favorite sports movie of all time is probably Miracle. Um, uh, you know, I like I like that one. Um, all right, Coach. I've got one more, and I think Mike's got one more to close it out. Um, Mike is very opinionated on this one, too, because I told him I was going to ask this before, and he thinks there's really only one right answer. And he was very convincing, so I'm curious to see what you say. What do you feel to you the most terrifying animal to be eaten by? Oh, my God. Did you know this is a huge thing? Like, this is like like, – like I have a coaching group of guys that I'm very close with um, – and at least once a week, we send articles to each other about this question. And the question is, would you rather fight a great white or would you rather fight a grizzly bear? Right. And, and it's and it, it's a big thing. And I will tell you this. If you talk to me long enough on this subject, depending on what your your your, your opinion is, I will spend my entire time convincing you the other way because I'm not convinced. Uh, like, I don't know. Like, I have not been able to figure it out yet. Um, 
Now, I will say one thing. Anybody who says punch the shark in the nose, that is ridiculous. First of all, have you ever tried to throw a punch in water? It's like you're like caught in the matrix. Like, what are we talking about? Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's not okay. Also, I've seen most people punch on like I've seen a lot of people punch. It's not it's not horrifying. It's not terrifying. And it's certainly not going to affect a shark. Right. Like like that's 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 nonsense. It's as nonsense as the play dead with the bear. Right. Like if you play bed with the dare with the bear, he may just rip you apart like and just play with you. Like there's studies done now and all that sort of stuff. I tend to say that the shark is the most terrifying. But here's the reason why. There's two ways to die because I can either bleed out or I can drown. Right. So it's not that I'm necessarily more afraid from the shark because it doesn't have opposable thumbs. It can't really grab you and all those sort of things. There's only one thing you have to worry about as opposed to the teeth and the claws in a shark. You only have to worry about the mouth. Right. But if I'm fighting them in their area, I can drown. And 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 and, and that eventually I'm going to get tired and I can't fight forever. You know what I mean? I, just like if you had really good stamina, you could try to run away from the bear for like a long, 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 long time. Um, but with the shark, you're never going to swim away from the shark. Like it, it's, it's over. Right. So that's where I tend to get on, on that. Um, that's my, that's my thing. Although as a person from Colorado, I am also terrified of mountain lions because they hunt people. Like they literally, they track people and they hunt them and they try to kill them. Same with grizzlies who also do that, who also try to do it. Um, we never put polar bears in there because I obvi- I actually think that polar bears are the most terrifying thing because they're the fastest animals on earth for 10 yards and you're in freezing cold and like, and they're as big as a, or bigger than a grizzly and all those sort of things. So there's a bit like, to me, that's a whole nother element. What, what is your answer? What is, I know I hit like four of them. What, what is the real well, answer? So his question says, which one is the most terrifying to be eaten by? So I, I immediately eliminated sharks and bears because they would crush your skull like immediately and you'd die pretty quickly. Okay. Okay. My yeah. most terrifying would be a snake, like a snake that's big enough to eat a human, like an anaconda or something, because yeah. of the way okay. you would die, you would not die immediately. You'd be ingested and then you'd be digested slowly with the acid in the stomach and it would just be an excruciating way to die. So, okay, if we're going down that thing, wouldn't ants be some of the worst or some sort of insect like that also be horrifying that we're not a, not a, not a, not a spider that's going to like kill you with one thing like, or like a scorpion, like the, the, if it's just eaten by, you're right. That was a question. So I apologize for not answering correctly. Well, wouldn't that also be, or rats, I would like, like rats, that would be a bad deal. Right. Because I will say to me, like the worst way, your point is very valid because one of the worst ways to die would be one of two things, either drowning, right, or being burned alive, right? Like things that take a while. Like if you just shoot me and I don't, I mean, like, okay, like I don't want to be dead. I would rather be living. But I mean, if I die rather quickly, unless it's a gunshot wound to the stomach, which I feel would be a bad deal, but like everything else, you know. So, yeah, you're right. The snake thing would be terrifying because you could feel yourself being eaten, which would be which would be a bad deal. Are, are you already suffocated, though, when you when, when they're doing that? Don't they don't they choke you out first and then they and then they eat you or do they do it at the same time or do they do it? Like, how do they guess, do that? I, I, don't, even I don't know. know. It's kind of like the shark question. Are we in water? Can I fight this shark on land? 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, that that point, yeah, I'll take him. Yeah, no, no question, no question. Now, I'm, yeah, that I'm is so a that is a that is a huge topic of conversation within within my circle of coaches. All right. How often do hippos get brought up? So hippos are the deadliest. Right? I'm aware of this, but that's because they tip over so many boats, and so like, just don't be on a boat with the hippo. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. And 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 then. My my one buddy says, okay, do the hippos actually kill you, or when they tip you over, do like crocs or alligators or whichever is there? You know, I don't I don't really know the thing. Like, or do they get you, or the piranhas, or however? Like, who actually does the actual? Oh, it's the hippos. There's some videos. Have you ever seen how they swim or go through water? Isn't it like they're like running? yeah, they're running, they're running and jumping. It's one of the most impressive athletic feats you can see because of how fast they're moving in water. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to. I would if I went on a safari to Africa, which someday I would like to do, not to hunt. I I, I have no desire to hunt um, there, but I would like to go and just see all the different animals of, that you can never see. Being on a boat in in one of those countries is not on my priority list. Like, there's so many things that can go wrong on that stuff. Like, yeah, I have I have no desire to do that. All right, this leads us to the last question, which is, um, I think it's pretty easy, but. And I have a feeling what you're going to say for half of it. What is your dream concert, band, and venue? Oh, man. Is it alive or dead, or is it only guys alive? Coach's choice. Because if it was alive, you know who I'd love to see? I would love to see Foo Fighters, who I've never seen. Um, Dave Grohl is the greatest musician of all time. No one can tell me any different. That I, 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 I actually I actually don't like to me, that's like something that's inarguable. Like I, I um, yeah, I don't think there's anybody even close to him. Um, just the amount of instruments. I mean, the fact that he did that one whole album by himself is like one of the greatest feats of, of music of all time. So I would love to see Dave Grohl. I don't know where I would want to see them. I think that that's something that I, I, I have. I don't. No, I, I tend to want to see them like, uh, you know, I, I maybe like somewhere in Australia just because I've never been there. <laughs> so I get, get a free trip out of this whole deal, you know, um, you know, so that 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 would probably be that probably be what I would say. I mean, I don't have a, um, I will say this. You know what? I've, I've never seen anything, a sporting event, nothing in Madison Square Garden. So I kind of think that that would be something that I would need to do in my life um, to say that I to say that I've done that. Um, that would probably be one of the things I would have to say. All right, coach. I have a super fast follow-up, so I'm making Mike a liar. And I feel like one of those magicians who writes something down at the beginning. You can't see this post-it note, but I had wrote on this post-it note uh, a couple hours ago because I thought I know what you knew what you might answer here is Dave Grohl, Nirvana or Foo Fighters. Okay. I don't know if you know, but Dave is from Virginia, so – known about him for a super long time, but do you like him better, Foo Fighters or Nirvana? And uh, yeah, I'll leave you with that. I like him better, Foo Fighters, although I think the Nirvana Unplugged, I don't think he gets enough credit for what he had to do in that, in that, I'll call it a concert. They went so outside their comfort zone in that, in that deal, right? And, you know, the fact that he was able to do what he did in, in, in that thing is pretty remarkable. It speaks a lot to what he can do. And I know like people are like, well, he didn't even have to play the drums in a lot of, yeah, that's my point. 
Like <laughs> he was literally like playing instruments that he doesn't usually play because the drums were not needed, required, and weren't the best artistic choice in a lot of those songs. So I do have a lot of respect for him. I don't know. Have you guys ever read? My wife bought it, and it was when we were in Seattle, my wife bought it. There is a book that is um, Kurt Cobain's um, journal, and it's going through, and it's just his journal. I mean, it is some, I mean, really out there stuff. I mean, he was uh, as bizarre as you can possibly imagine. But one of the times he writes, um, he writes, this new Dave guy looks like this is going to work out okay. <laughs> like that, that was one of his notes. He also, like numerous times in there, talks about how Nirvana is a three-piece band because they'd gone through so many drummers that like to him, like, ah, just whoever the drummer is, we just need one who doesn't suck. And then all, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, Dave was like, Oh wait, maybe this guy's actually good enough to be in our band. So um, I did think that that, that, that was kind of impressive. You can't go wrong no matter where you see him. Uh, Lisa and I went this summer in Virginia beach and saw him uh, spent way more money than I should ever on a concert, but it was worth it. And we saw him at Fenway. So whether it's at a, a stadium, it's at a traditional venue, you get an opportunity to go because they do not disappoint. Well, this is okay. So that brings up a point. I, I take it back. You, you want to know where I'd like to see him? Okay. Uh, either the Ryman in uh, Nashville or Bluebird Cafe or um, one of the uh, CBGB. So I'd rather see him in, in, in one of those settings where it's, yeah, it's me and, 50 other people. And I feel like I'm getting experience that no one else could possibly so, have. Um, that would be, that'd be so sweet. he loves DC and the nine thirty club. And occasionally he plays shows there. Oh, that would be sick. So you just need to subscribe. Just keep my people up there on the yeah. lookout. <laughs> um, yeah. Now I'll add, I know you have some more free time in the off season. If you've never watched the HBO show, Sonic highways, which is the album he made, the Foo Fighters made, where they had a lot of guests. It's really great and shows you his love and appreciation for music. Because um, they, they, they have features from uh, different artists from a bunch of different genres. So each episode is very different, where maybe one episode is with Zach Brown Band. And uh, just, it's a, it's a really good series. One. No, uh, Sonic, Sonic Highways, is that what you said it was? All right, I'll have to check it out. All right, Coach. Thank you so much for joining us, and go Monarchs. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Go Monarchs.